Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with his sermon entitled, The Baptism of Jesus, preached on February 2nd, 1997. If you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 3. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17, that is the text we would like you to take your Bible open to that passage. The baptism of Jesus. What does this mean? Why was Jesus baptized by John? We want to look into that subject. John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, declaring, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Thus, 400 years of God's silence is broken. Once again, God has raised up a prophet, John the Baptist. Once again, words of a prophet are heard in the land. And we are told many people from Judea and Jerusalem came to hear him. This does not mean... Everybody came to hear and receive the ministry of John the Baptist. And if you turn with me to Luke chapter 7, let me read to you verse 29 and 30. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. And verse 30, But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. You see then, the sophisticated, the people of power, the Pharisees and the experts in the law, they deliberately rejected God's purpose, refused to repent and be baptized by John. But here we are told it was God who called John. It was God's purpose that John preach and baptize and prepare the way for the Lord. Let me tell you, it's the same today. There are some who will accept God's purpose, some who will listen to the words of God, some who will trust in Jesus Christ, but others will reject God's purpose. May that not happen to you. Pay attention to the preaching of the word, that you may accept God's purpose. So these people who came to repent and be baptized by John the Baptist, their purpose to live a reformed and righteous life. Now we are told there came to John his cousin, Jesus, a lone person from the north, from Nazareth. He's coming all the way from Nazareth in Galilee to John. 
in the desert of Judea. And we are told his purpose was to be baptized by John. But have you ever wondered about this? The baptism of John was for sinners who wanted to repent and receive forgiveness of sins. John was the preparer of the way for the Lord, preparer of human hearts for the Lord, who was Jesus. Had not his father and mother told John of the superiority of the person and the ministry of Jesus? Had not Mary told Jesus of his unique person? Jesus is introduced in the scriptures as the son of God, son of David, king of Israel, holy one. Then why is it that Jesus, like a sinner, coming to John to be baptized? The gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 31, tells us that he, John himself, did not know him. That is also somewhat strange. Probably John had not seen Jesus for many years. He knew Messiah is going to be revealed through his baptism. That was one of the purposes of the baptism of Jesus, that through which the Messiah be revealed to Israel. That much he knew. The reason John came baptizing with water was that the Messiah might be revealed to Israel. God revealed to John that Messiah would come to him for baptism. And he would recognize him as the Messiah because he would see the invisible Holy Spirit resting upon the Messiah in a visible form, in the form of a dove. That was the sign given by God to John for identifying the Messiah. Now, my question to you is why Jesus had to be baptized. Baptized by John. Baptism stands for cleansing. Baptism of John is for sinners. But Jesus, the scripture declares, was one without sin. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5, we read, but you know that he appeared, that's Jesus Christ, so that he might take away our sins. And then here is a profound statement about the person of Jesus, and in him is no sin. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or listen to Jesus himself in John 8 and verse 46. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? The writer to the Hebrews says this in chapter 4 and verse 15. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, 
blameless, set apart from sinners, who did not need to sacrifice for his own sin. Or you can read Isaiah 53. Isaiah calls him righteous servant. Righteous servant who was crushed for our iniquities, who bore the sins of many. Now look at angel Gabriel speaking to Mary. Gabriel calls him the Holy One, the Son of God. So have you wondered why then this sinless Jesus, the Son of God, came to John to be baptized by him? Everybody who came to John to be baptized confessed his sins, repented, and then he baptized such persons. But here one is coming. He has nothing to confess, nothing to repent. Jesus could not repent. He could not confess because he cannot. Yet from Nazareth he came when he was about 30 years of age. Yes, we are told by St. Paul, Jesus was born of a woman. But then he says, born under the law, meaning to fulfill all the laws of God. Yes, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was consecrated to the Lord at the proper time. And the parents offered a sacrifice pigeons and doves. At age 12, he came to the temple to assume the burden of the law, his bar mitzvah. He became a son of the commandment. And we read in Luke chapter 2, this 12-year-old boy, Jesus, telling his parents, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, listening to my father, Delighting in my father. Purposing to do the will of my father. Didn't you know that? Here a 12-year-old boy begins to understand the mission that God had given him. Yet he went down to Nazareth. He was obedient to parents. He grew, we are told, in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. For another 18 years we see this one working hard as the village carpenter supporting himself and his mother and others. Now he's 30 years of age. Suddenly, there is a prompting from God. He feels the call of God in his very being. The Father is calling him to enter into the mission of redemption, the work of the Messiah. It's time that you tend to the Father's business. See, unlike Moses, he waited patiently for 30 years. He always knew he came for a purpose, and that was not to be a carpenter. The singular purpose of his coming was not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, to know and fulfill the work of the Messiah, it was prophesied concerning him in the psalm, Psalm 40. We read, I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. 
Father's business. The truth is no one has kept God's law. All Adam's children have failed to fulfill righteousness, fulfill their duty to God. All became rebels. But here is the last Adam, one who will fulfill all righteous requirements of God, his father. He quits his carpenter's job. He says goodbye to his mother. The days of submission to the mother is over. He must now respond to his heavenly father's mission and call. He leaves to the desert of Judea to be baptized by John. Theologian Strauss, he said that uh, Jesus went to be baptized by John because Jesus was a sinner. Others have said Jesus went to John to be baptized because of the possibility that he would sin in the future. Others said Jesus went all the way to the south to be baptized by John the baptizer because his mother told him so. Such conjectures are absolutely false. Now let me tell you, John himself refuses to baptize him. Only Matthew tells us that. He kept on urging him not to be baptized by John. He tried and tried and tried to prevent him from being baptized by John. John tells us, Matthew 3 and verse 14, that he had tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized. He kept urging Jesus not to seek his baptism. John realizes that somehow Jesus is superior to John. John says to Jesus, I have need of being baptized by you, meaning I myself am a sinner. You do not need my ministry, Jesus. I need your ministry. I need to be baptized by you in the Holy Spirit and fire. I need your ministry. Your ministry is to bring sinners like us into vital contact with God. And I need your ministry. You don't need mine. Yes, all are sinners. All have sinned. The only one who can baptize us and bring us into that relationship with God is Jesus. Jesus agrees. That's the meaning of the text that we read. You are right, John, in your understanding that I am superior to you and that you need to be baptized by me. You are right. But you must agree to my demand to be baptized by you because it is the purpose of God. It is the will of God. That you, a sinful man, but my messenger, that you baptize me, the sinless son of God and son of man. Let it be so now, he says, at this present time in which God is working out his plan of salvation. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Why did Jesus come to be baptized by John. There it is to fulfill God's righteous requirements. Jesus is the true Israelite who will obey God over against the disobedience of Adam. 
and over against the disobedience of all the peoples of the world. Finally, there comes one whose passion it is to obey God. And Paul says in Romans 5, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But here comes one man, the true Israelite, who will fulfill all righteousness, all righteous requirements of God, and who will without fail obey all God's laws perfectly. In other words, he is identifying with the elect sinners as he is being baptized by John. There was no sin in him, but there was sin on him. That is, he bore our sins. The sinless one bore our sins. He identified with us sinners. And so in this baptism, he assumes the God-given responsibility of taking away the sin of the world. By this baptism, he publicly assumes the work of the Messiah. See, that was another purpose of John's baptism, that the Messiah may be revealed to Israel. This baptism of Jesus announces to the world that he, Jesus, one day is going to be baptized with fire, with suffering. So this water baptism that Jesus experiences is a foreshadowing of another baptism that he will be baptized with. Let's turn to Luke 12 and verse 50. I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Notice Jesus came to judge the earth. People don't read this passage. He came to judge. He came to send fire on the earth. But then he says, but I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is completed. Before he can send fire on earth, he says, I have a baptism to undergo. Let me tell you, it is the baptism of fire, baptism of suffering. He says, I have to do this first. I have to experience this first before he can send fire on earth. And he is speaking about his suffering, the cup he needed to drink out of. And so I am making this point to you that this receiving a baptism of John by Jesus was pointing and declaring and announcing that the Messiah will soon be baptized with the baptism of suffering, which in turn will take away the sin of the world. So... This baptism was pointing to another baptism, a baptism of fire, a baptism of suffering. It was pointing to the cross. That was the unique work of the Messiah. He knew that all along. He came to die. The one without sin identifies with sinners. He became our substitute as he was baptized by John. He became our representative 
the new head of a new humanity, unlike Adam. His baptism by John was pointing to a baptism of violent death. That would cleanse us from all our sins. By his baptism by John, he was announcing to God and to the world that he submits completely to the will of God. And what was the will of God? To take away the sin of the world by his perfect obedience, active and passive obedience. The elect sinners can rejoice. Look, from Nazareth, a lone person is coming. And he comes to be baptized by John. Look at him and rejoice because he will fulfill all righteousness in behalf of us and for our sakes. And so John dutifully baptized Jesus. And let's see what happens right after that. There is the Holy Spirit coming. After baptism, Luke says Jesus was praying. Because this is an important occasion, it is the beginning of his messianic journey to the cross where he would die for the sins of the world. And so he needs Holy Spirit. This is a difficult task. Certainly he doesn't need Holy Spirit to strengthen him as the eternal Son of God. He doesn't need Holy Spirit to encourage him as the eternal Son of God. He needed the Holy Spirit to strengthen him and encourage him and guide him in his human nature that he may fully complete the task the Father had given him. He was praying. And as he came out of the water, heaven was opened. Jesus saw the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is invisible. <laughs> Holy Spirit is God. But here, Holy Spirit assumes the form of a dove. Heaven was opened. Jesus saw the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove and lighting upon him. Can imagine the, the joy and the encouragement and the strength Jesus Christ was receiving at that moment. And he says to himself, everything is going to be all right. The Spirit of God has come upon me without measure. He was anointed, in other words, for this messianic task. Jesus knew instantly that he was being anointed to the ministry of the Messiah. And you see him saying, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. The scripture that spoke about his anointing by the Spirit of God. As the eternal son, he cannot be strengthened or guided. But Jesus in his human nature needed strengthening and guidance and comforting. So the Spirit of God came upon him without measure. He'll be thoroughly equipped and strengthened and guided by the third person of the Trinity. In his work as the Messiah to die on the cross. What comfort, what encouragement, what consolation. And not only that, there is further consolation and comfort coming from the first person of the Trinity, the Father's benediction. And there's a voice from heaven, it's the voice of the Father. And the voice says this. This is my son. 
whom I love. This is my son. This Jesus, who by baptism announced to the world that he submits fully to my will, Father's will, my will that he die on the cross for the salvation of my elect, this one. I want you to all know that the Father says, this is my son. We read about this in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7. He said to me, you are my son. You are my son means you are not only virgin born Jesus, but you are my son in the sense, the second person of the Trinity, the son of eternal generation, divine son, son who is heir of all things. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews let me read to you from chapter 1. The first three verses. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is my Son. And our son in the context of Psalm 2 and verse 7. Our son, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Who rules with an iron scepter. But then we are told he is, because he is my son, he is also my servant. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And that passage is found in Isaiah 42 and verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. The spirit of God just descended upon Jesus. Isaiah 42, 1 is being fulfilled. In other words, I want you to know the father says, this one upon whom the Holy Spirit descended is my son. And not only that, he is now assuming a responsibility of suffering servant. You read Isaiah 42, keep on reading, and you will come to Isaiah 53, where this servant is suffering. Or you read Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. There again, this whole idea that Jesus was God, and yet he became man, a suffering servant. Turn with me to 53rd Psalm. In the 53rd Psalm, God is looking down from heaven. And what is he looking for? He is looking for at least one human being in whom he could delight, concerning whom he could say, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Let's see whether he found any. 53rd Psalm, verse 2, God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. 
There is no one who does good, not even one. And finally, God looks down again one more time in the fullness of time on the shore of Jordan River near the Judean hills. And he looks and there he is, one person in whom he delights, one person who loves God. One person whose passion it is to fulfill all righteousness. One person concerning him it is said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love with intelligent, purposeful and eternal love. But he is also my servant who understands, who seeks God, who never turns away from the path of righteousness. This heavenly benediction came at the right moment to encourage the Messiah. Because the Father knows the Messiah is heading to the cross. And you see the Father saying again this in the 17th chapter of Matthew, in the context of the transfiguration experience where Jesus was discussing his departure, his death with Moses and Elijah. In the context of this discussion of the baptism by fire, again heaven opened and said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Can you imagine the encouragement that came to the son? And not only that, in John chapter 12, a couple of days prior to his death, we are told the voice came again. And the voice from the father was designed to encourage him, to strengthen him. My son is my servant. I love him. He loves me and keeps my commandment. My son in whom my purposes will be fulfilled. What do you think the purpose was? The salvation of you and salvation of me. Hallelujah. There is one in whom God's good pleasure rests. I said he looked first time, he found none, he looked again, and there is one. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. There is one who is able to take away the sin of the world. There is one who will fulfill all righteousness. There is one in whom God's plan of salvation will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. There is one in whom God's good pleasure rests, and that's why... Heavenly angelic choir sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And we are those men and women. His favor uniquely rested on his son, his servant. Therefore, his favor rests on us in him. Hallelujah. We are accepted in the beloved. The one who identified with us sinners in baptism. The one who obeyed God as our representative. The father is pleased with him. And so in him, he is pleased with all us also. And it also tells us salvation is the work of the Trinity. All three persons of the Godhead are involved in your salvation and in my salvation. There is the son being baptized, assuming the role of a suffering servant. Soon he will say on the cross, it is finished. 
meaning the work of the Messiah is done. And there is the Spirit resting upon him, strengthening, guiding him. And there is the Father approving his Son, his servant, one in whom his plan will prosper, his plan for our salvation. Now look at John's declaration. John was given a sign. See, John didn't know who the Messiah was. John was looking for him too. But he didn't know who this Messiah is, but the sign is this. The person upon him, the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, comes down and rests. He is the person who will baptize you in spirit and in fire. He is the person who will bring you into vital contact with God. He is the person who is able to save you. He is the Messiah. And so... He was baptizing all these people and finally comes this one and he was baptized and he rose and he went out of the water and he looked and he saw the heaven opened and the Spirit of God coming in the form of a dove and lighting upon him and he said, here it is. He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. And he says, he's the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. John, understand, Messiah means the one who will take away the sin of the world by his death. He's the one who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He's the Son of God. Read chapter 1 of John. Hallelujah. And he began to preach with great passion to Andrew and John and say, Behold, the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. He is the one. I saw the Spirit of God resting upon him. I knew there is something strange about him. I said, I don't want to baptize you. You must baptize me. But then, my doubts were gone. I saw the Spirit without measure coming down and lighting upon him and staying with him for a while. He is the one, not me. He must increase, I must decrease. Believe in him, trust in him. He is the Savior. Hallelujah. John came to baptize with water, but the Messiah, that the Messiah might be revealed to Israel. So at the right time came, all the way from Nazareth, quit his job, said goodbye to mother, and said, I'm going. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm glad he quit his job. I'm glad he moved to the south. I'm glad he came to John. Hallelujah. And from Nazareth he came with the determination. With the determination, unflagging determination to fulfill all God's requirements. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that he came with such a determination? with such passion to fulfill the will of God, to be the Lamb of God provided for us to take away the sin of the world. He came as our substitute. He came as our representative, the last Adam. As the eternal, beloved Son of God, He came. As suffering servant, He came. He was baptized, and in His baptism, He is telling all of us, He will save you. He will do the work. Hallelujah. For you and for me, salvation is by grace through faith. On the basis of what he will do. Hallelujah.
He was baptized. A spirit came upon him. Visibly in the form of a dove, Father spoke of his benediction. John the Baptist with certainty now preaches, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Savior of sinners. Behold the Son of God. Behold the one who will solve our problem of lack of righteousness. And he has fulfilled all righteousness. Hallelujah. There is nothing lacking. As our representative and, and as our substitute, that we might become what? The righteousness of God. Hallelujah. That we might be justified freely by faith in him. Hallelujah. Through the obedience of this one man, many will be made righteous and many are made righteous. Rejoice, church of Jesus Christ. Rejoice. We are righteous and we lack nothing. Hallelujah. And we are numbered in that many. Yea, everyone who trusts in this substitute, in this representative, in this Messiah, in this Lamb of God, in this Jesus Christ shall be made righteous. He was baptized by John in order that Jesus may identify with us sinners to save us. And when we are baptized, what are we doing? We are identifying with him. Hallelujah. In his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, we affirm, when Christ died, I died with him. To sin, to law, to the world. When Christ was buried, I was buried with him. When Christ was raised, and he was raised, I was raised with him to live in the newness of life. Hallelujah. To live a triumphant life. Christ was baptized, heaven was opened. Not only for Jesus, let me tell you, the Son of God, but it was opened for us also. Through Christ's baptism of suffering, of which his baptism by John was a foreshadowing, the veil of the temple was torn open. The way to the Holy of Holies now remain open. Heaven is open Hallelujah. for us. In Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Jesus came down from heaven and Jesus went into heaven. And Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And you read John in the fourth chapter of Revelation, verse 1, and he speaks about the door of heaven opened and staying opened. John, come up here. And let me tell you, every one of us is receiving that call. Come up here. Heaven is opened for you. Hallelujah. The heaven was closed due to our sin and unrighteousness. But Jesus, through his baptism, opened heaven for us. Hallelujah, for he came to fulfill all righteousness. <laughs> In order to get into heaven, you have to have righteousness. And, and Jesus fulfilled all righteousness for us. Therefore, heaven will receive us. Isn't that true? By faith, let us look unto the heavens. And like Stephen, we can also see by faith God, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man. For us there 
it's open for you. Let me tell you, heaven is our home. Who opened it? Jesus Christ. Soon we shall be there. I may go there ahead of you, or you may go there ahead of me, but we will go there. Hallelujah. Because Christ has been baptized. Not only in water by John, but he received the baptism of fire on the cross in behalf of us. The lamb has been sacrificed. The sin has been taken away. Heaven is open for you and for me. Rejoice, O church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Redemption accomplished. Righteousness fulfilled. We have been justified. Let us rejoice and be glad. Let us sing with the angels. Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth to men. On whom his favor rests. Hallelujah. His favor is resting on me. And his favor is resting on you. Because his favor rested on the sun. Hallelujah. I'm glad that he quit the job of carpentry. I'm glad he made his way south. I'm glad he prevailed upon John. I'm glad he was baptized. Announcing to all of us, he will do the job. And he did the job. He opened the heaven. He gave you righteousness. Heaven receives you now. Let's rise and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for the plan of salvation in which all the three persons of Godhead were involved. Hallelujah. You look down and you found only sinners, rebels. None understands, none seeks God. All turned away from the path of righteousness. All became crooked and rebels. It was hopeless, O oh God, very hopeless. But, O oh God, you had a plan. And therefore, you sent one, and his name is Jesus. And you looked again, and you saw one person in whom you delighted. It's been a long time. Before the fall, he looked and said, it's very good. It's been a long time. And now he looks again. And he says, it's very good. Because I see my son. And he will save. And he will renew. He will recreate. He will bring about a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. Praise you, O God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you for saving us. We've been made righteous. Have mercy upon those who have not trusted in your Son. Grant them repentance and grant them faith that they may receive Christ and in Christ may receive all righteousness. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen.